Right, welcome back everyone to Fight Watch. Um, if you remember last time I was joined by Marcus Shanks from Ace MMA. Today I'm joined by you and Matt Moore. Do you want to introduce yourself, mate? Uh, hi, um, I'm a amateur kickboxer and MMA fighter out in the North East. Uh, I also competed in swimming and all that different sports. And hopefully yeah, one of these days I'll be the strength and conditioning coach for upcoming athletes. So... Yeah, glad to be here. So sounds good, mate. I, I'm just gonna be asking you a few questions today, um, just try and get people to get to know you. Obviously, it's a little bit of a awkward situation having to ring you in because social distancing, everything that's going on. But make do with what you've got, am I right? Uh, absolutely, man. Right. So, just to get it started. So, when you had your K1 fight, it's it's a fight. At, it, it's a question I ask Marcus as well. Like, um, it's a very natural process. Just feel, just f- answer as comfortably as you want. It's an informal platform. How do you think your fight camp went? Like in the process building up. Do you think it went all right, or other things you would have changed heading in? I think my fight camp went really well. Um, obviously, there's things that change. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Definitely. Um, you know, like, I trained hard. I know I trained hard. The things I think I could have done more, yeah. There was the runs that I skipped. Of course, there was. There was days I woke up and it was like, really want to go to training. You know, like, if I was in a training session, did I put 100% in? You know, not all the time. There was, there was times where I, I doubt why I was doing it, what I was doing it, like, everyone gets that though like everyone gets doubts where it's like everyone's not no one no one in a right mind would sign up to get punched oh definitely you've got to be a different breed don't you that's it but obviously fighters no not to the cameras you know like is the times in fight camp where you sit there and you go you know like why what what am I getting out of this why am I doing it Everyone has them, you know. For us, the hobby, JSP's coach famously said that George is one of the worst people of getting nervous for fights. Like, he's considered one of the greatest MMA fighters ever, George St. Pierre, and yet he was nervous before all of his fights. You know, it's totally a natural thing. Um, in terms of what my coaches offered us, I couldn't have asked for, for better, you know. A training session, they would work in with us. I'd get like one-to-one training where they'd be going over things specific to me as well as training in classes and working on obviously the fundamentals, the basics. We'd be working on a little bit of like my own personal style and the coaching's exceptional, you know. Um, yeah, Superman Charge and Sham and the, all the coaches who would be down at Ace, they're all great and I have some of the best training partners as well. Some of the most like talented young amateur fighters that are coming up throughout the rankings. Those are training partners and I get like having this teammate and they push me to be far better than what I am. Like there's never an easy day in the gym. And we're going and we're working. It's hard work every single session. So yeah, I think off I can went really well. Yeah, it's good that you all push each other. You were saying about your own unique style there. You, I'm right in saying you used to do sport kickboxing, aren't I? Yeah, I did. 
did, and I still do. Do you think that do you think that plays into your style or no? It did. It does influence it a little bit, yeah. And um, obviously, I got because that's all above the weight. Like you can't no leg kicks or anything, which is some ways I think's always a bit flawed. It's one of the yeah. most effective techniques of a leg kick, but kind of a good little calf kick. It's at, oh, calf kicks are horrible. But that style gets you really good at kicking over the waist and finding openings you know if you know that a kick can't hit below the waist you don't defend below the waist yeah no need so it has to, you get really good at finding those openings like where's the body open where's the head like you know can you get those specifics and that meant that I got good at spotting openings I became very precise with my striking I you know, I, I love the Israel Adesanya quote of I don't throw in hope, I aim in fire. I try to embody that as much as I can. And I think actually it plays a massive part to my my gas tank and my cardio who I you know, I get like props in the gym for being able to go for loads and loads of rounds of sparring and loads and loads of training and I think it's actually because the heart of it is I'm just lazy. I like and the easiest way to do things. If there's an easy way to do it, I'll take the easy way, trip smarter, not harder. So I help with my the influence of my style. Yeah. It was that the training itself, I think flexible for different kicks, and have good dexterity in your legs. That obviously has improved my my fighting and my game totally. Like that unique ability to control a kick, like you can control a punch is so, so useful and it's so underrated in MMA and kickboxing where you see people struggle to throw high kicks. Actually, that training that dexterity means that the power on those kicks so much more. You can get so much more from them. Definitely. You're not only getting the height, but you're getting the drive behind it as well. Well, yeah, it's that's it. And it's also you're not straining the muscles. You know, like, could throw a high kick just as easily as I can throw a jab because I've stood and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And it, it gives you that little confidence of sometimes in a, in a fight you don't have the chance to think. So I say, like, you know, you go very much off instinct and what feels right and comfortable. Yeah. If you're not comfortable throwing a high kick, trying to throw a high kick's not going to be as effective as if you know you can do it. 100 times out of 100 and it'll be right you know that's why in my fight I felt comfortable just lifting my lead leg and throwing a, a high kick I've done it over and over and over again Joe Rogan famously said that his back kick came from the fact that he would stand in front of a bag and just repeat that kick over and over and over again until he felt it was perfect and then when he got there he'd do a few more reps now there's a lot to be said for practice and just practicing everything, but yeah, I think it did influence my style a lot, and I still try to hold little bits from it. I, I do throw some unorthodox things in there. I throw a few axe kicks and training, and you know, hoop kicks because, especially in modern kickboxing and modern MMA, they're not throwing a lot. You're starting to see them a little bit more with people like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson throws a few. Leo Adesanya. 
McGregor came in and some of his fights and threw hoop kicks and like that. Like people who are get, throwing them are predominantly kick based, like kickboxing based. Yeah, and um, that's that's yeah, you know, you get like I say you get there is the odd fighter here and there that comes in with like a flashy technique and seems like you shouldn't be able to do it. You see more and more of it now is because it's becoming widely used and utilised because people are seeing how effective things are. You know, at one time, the US, like, Edson Barbosa, when he knocked Terry Adam out with that spin and wheel kick. Oh, that was great. It's... Like, it was a sensational knockout and everyone was completely astounded. Like, each spun hit him with his heel and knocked him out cold. And now, now you see more and more wheel kicks in amateur MMA, pro, you know, like kickboxing, Muay Thai, everywhere you're seeing it. And it's because all it takes is one person to do something and then people realise, actually, it works really, really well. I'm going to take that and I'm going to try and use it. And, when, you know, you have those things where it takes you one step ahead and then everyone catches up and you've got to find the new thing. My sports style karate and kickboxing in my taekwondo background means that I've got that little bit that no one else has and then everyone else is going to have to try and catch up them where I am and while they're trying to catch up with me I'm making further progress with everything I do so it's always going to be a step ahead at the end of the day mate what was that mean sorry always going to be a step ahead I'm saying like just yeah that's it you know like make it harder and harder itself and back to your fight though you know like I mentioned it briefly, like, you, it was a K1 fight, you, you won it, obviously, you came out with a decision. You know when you mentioned precision, were, were you shocked when you got the early knockdown, or was that something you expected to get at some point I in the fight? I said through my training camp that, and, you know, my, like, my friends, my teammates will tell you that I said this, I said I was going to get, uh, I wanted a knockout, I wanted a knockout win. And I knew that Who doesn't to, at the end of the day? And I knew that at some point in my fight there would be a knockdown. Right. I hadn't expected it to be the very first punch I threw. You know, I thought I'd have to, to work a little bit more for it and that it was going to be a bit tougher. Because you were backed against the cage. You caught him quite early, didn't you? It was a counter right to the chin. Yeah, it, was it, was a, it was a right, I think, wasn't it? I was back. And I hit the cage. Uh, through a, a check right hook. Yeah. Caught him, and it, it dropped him. I, I knew I was going to land that punch when he came in because I could see him. After he hit the first side kick, I saw him come in and he, as he did it, he lifted his chin. So I knew I'd catch him coming in and I knew it would hurt him. It's like you mentioned, though, noticing the openings. Open, it was more. I, just, I knew that. Because I never really go for 
like to drop my my teammates a lot. We don't do a lot of we do a lot of light technical sparring, and then when it gets to fight camp, we're yes, hard sparring in and yes, for all of intention, but still never to hurt, isn't it? Like that's I think yeah, that's the that's really, purpose of sparring. Behind it. But like when we're sparring hard now, I'm putting the power behind the shots, and I know I've got power in my hands. You know, my teammates have told us I've got power in my hands. But I think my power comes from good technique. Mm-hmm. Precision, you know, and like when I threw that, I threw that right hook. I threw that with every bit of my soul to want to hurt my opponent. I think you'll know you'll know what I mean though when I say like only people who train would know that sparring is not a fight. If you're f- like you know that right hook, it's something you'll have practiced time and time again. You want to get it right. You want to make sure you've got the perfect right hook coming into fight night. You're not throwing the right hook and sparring and knock your training partners down. You're throwing it to make sure you get the perfect entry, the perfect setup, the perfect landing, the perfect callback. You know what I'm saying? You'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're perfecting your technique. But definitely. No, it's not a fight. Um, I mean, don't get us wrong. I've had sparring matches where there's been emotion running high. Or one thing or another, maybe you haven't liked a sparring partner, are you? You know, they've said something that's upset you, or you said something that's upset them, or for whatever the reason you know, I've had four matches where they've been close to, close to fight. The emotion you have and the adrenaline's what, you know, is an extra thing. And I always try to stay calm and relaxed in sparring. I know that if I'm, I'm emotional. I can't perform to the, my best ability in any field. Yeah. I try and you know, fight, which a lot of people think fighting is not very, not, no. The misconception is that everyone that fights is like, stupid or they're not intelligent or they can't do anything else, so this is what they do. Like I say, it's a, it's a major misconception. Because I know a lot of smart people in fighting, and actually you've got to be smart be able to fight you've got to be intelligent enough in in your training and you've got to be intelligent enough in your ability to study uh, the sport itself you know yeah like when you look into fighting actually because you said people think it's like people who fight are stupid or stuff like that something that's mentioned quite a lot now is when you talk about a fighter's fight iq it's like you'll get fighters who are more intelligent in what they do than others because of their experience it's a different kind of intelligence you've got to possess to succeed at a level in fighting yeah, absolutely I, I totally agree with that like you know they might not be as academically smart as some people I think actually in terms of some things it can be very intelligent um, fight IQ obviously is their ability to judge something in a fight but people don't see that that is actually being able to work under pressure not oh. problem solving under pressure exactly you just do actually is a great thing to do if you do business because you quickly learn to solve problems under immense pressure you know jiu-jitsu and wrestling are one of the only sports where you can spar 100% very little risk of injury Still nothing worse than a sandbag, though, is it? You've done jiu-jitsu <laughs> yourself. You can roll with someone and pretty much be putting everything into it. Yeah. And you've got to react. 
Well, you can't just sit back and whatever's going on happened there, you know? So it, it builds that ability to cope under pressure and ability to perform under pressure, which actually is a great skill for life in general. Like, but, you know, it's very much on the spot, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's very much that you can, you know, a, a take from and adapt over. Like not taking um, anything away from other sports, but say, like, even MMA, for example, it's like you study your opponent, you're like, he's going to come out, he's going to do this to you, like, this is how you get around it, we'll, make, we'll set up a game plan through your fight camp. Like, jiu-jitsu, it's very, very, very adaptive, so you can never guarantee what they're going to come out with. Yeah, it's, it's hard to study um, and plan like a, a good game plan for jiu-jitsu because there's so much someone can do. Like, you know, there, there might be a guard player. Exactly. You could be one yeah, of the most they, immense wrestlers in your gym. You can have one of the best takedowns. But if you go against a guard puller, what use is it to you? Uh, I was going to say, like, once you break down someone who can play guard, right. you know, fight jiu-jitsu off the back. There is so much in that. You could only plan for so much. And then, as I've found, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of grappling. I prefer kickboxing. It's where my heart is. It's where my love is. But I appreciate the art of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. But the technique, the talent, and the, I say the, the mindset of who do jiu-jitsu is just they, they have to be sharp they have to be quick thinking and they have to be disciplined you know you you can't panic or get angry when someone gets a position on you be calm you've got to be composed you've got to think you've got to adapt and you've got to react to a situation and it's you know it's, it's an admirable quality you always have the casual MMA fan who doesn't like watching it in MMA because they just want to see people just stand them up just believe and we've all had that one experience where like, you've been watching the fights and someone goes why don't we just stand up and yet the frustration from that is yeah, unbelievable being, you know, like I said Jiu Jitsu is one of those things where if you understand it it's not boring but I, I totally understand like if you don't understand what's going on it's one of those things to where I never understood Jiu Jitsu and how complex it was Yeah, I never appreciated it it's, I think so it's one of them you either love it or you hate it, like, but you've got to understand it to at least appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, like you I'm said. I'm like, gym with the lads and oh. I get tapped like a typewriter. Oh. <laughs> the understanding of jiu-jitsu that some people have is just phenomenal. I've trained in multiple places with multiple people. I've trained with world champions in multiple weight divisions. You know, up-and-coming prospects, both pro and amateur. As MMA fighters, and actually, I've trained with some exceptional jiu-jitsu talent. Yeah. And some people's knowledge of the sport is just phenomenal. So I can appreciate it in an MMA fight. Because it's a different so I, perspective, I, I, I isn't also, it? I am one of those people that where I, I love a good stand-up fight. If you know, if you have two kickboxers coming into a fight, I just there's a big smile on my face when they uh, announce. Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier. That'll be a good fight. Well, it's July 15th, isn't it? That was just going to be a kickboxing uh, stand-up 
That was announced for July 15th on Fight Island, wasn't it, Ewan? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I know it's on Fight Island, I don't yeah. remember the exact date, but I believe that's right, yeah. You got a prediction for that? You're going to go on tape saying who you think's going to win? Oh, um, I think Dan Hooker's got the momentum of the up-and-comer. Yeah. I think it's going to be whether he can cope with this I think he's Dan Hooker's faced some big big competition but former world title former interim lightweight champion former world title contender and has faced possibly some of the stiffest competition in UFC and WEC history and Dustin Poirier is going to be I think it's going to be a tough a tough fight for but either man actually tough you fight know, for both of them a lot of people are writing Hooker off which I've been surprised at you know I wouldn't write Hooker off. I think he comes from a very, very good gym. He's, a, you know, he's got some of the best training partners. In the world? Yeah, he trains with Alex Volkanovski, who scored one of the the biggest wins of his career against Max Holloway, who was seemingly one of the best featherweights going after beating Jose Aldo twice in very, very good fashion, you know. Okanovsky came in and played in that fight. Israel well Adesanya is a training partner. Like, you loads of people, he, he's not strong enough to beat Robert Whittaker. He knocked him out in the second round. You know, that man's resume is just exceptional. He's beat some of the best names in kickboxing and then the best names in MMA. Like, his rise through the UFC was something special, definitely, between... It's... Oh. It's essentially unheard of. I mean, I I watched his kick. I used to watch a lot of his kickboxing fights because I was kickboxing and I liked yeah. his style. So I knew who he was before he jumped into the UFC because I'd watched him in Glory. Right. And like, when they said when I saw that he'd actually joined the UFC, I knew that he was going to be a tough, tough competitor because he was able to do things in kickboxing that elite-level kickboxers just could not keep up with. If Dan Hooker's training with people like that, he, you know, I, I say, I, I sharpen diet, I train with good training partners, I know I'm going to be better because of that. Training with world champions, he is going to be exceptional. That being said, you can't knock the people that Dustin Poirier is training with, you know? Because I, I think I'm right in saying it's American top team. I could be wrong on that, so don't quote us. I, th- I think it is. He's a training partner of Jorge Masvidal, who is possibly riding one of the biggest redemption stories in UFC history at the minute, with some exceptional knockouts, uh, world class talent. You know, trained with as controversial as it might be, yeah, Kobe Covington. He's had training with Robbie Lawler, you know. The level of competition he had is phenomenal, and I can't wait for that fight. I think it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, like I said, Dustin's faced the best of the best. He did, I think, four rounds with Habib. He did a five-round fight with Matt Holloway, arguably one of the best pressure fighters in the UFC to date. And he came out on top. So he faced Justin Gaethje, 
who scored one of the biggest upsets in lightweight division by beating Tony Ferguson. and That knocked the division won. upside so, down. <laughs> so you've got stiff competition ahead of you, but it'll be an interesting fight. I, you know, it, will, it will be interesting to see who's got the answers to the questions on the night. I think either way it'll be a good name on either man's record after the fight. It'll be... Probably. I don't have if a prediction as wins, it stands, but I'm expecting a fire fight. If Hooper wins, it's going to propel his career. Yeah, and if Dustin well, wins, it just well. as easily throws him back in the conversation. Yeah, just, just as easily puts him back in contention for a crack at the world title again. Been an MMA or K1, what do you think was next for you? I don't know. Um, I'd like it to have been MMA. You know, I think the time frame I was looking at was I was looking at going away to uni at the end of September. Right. And I would have been training for a good solid three months once I finished. I would have finished my A levels two days ago. So I think I would have been quite comfortably for maybe two, three months solid with nothing else to do. So I would have built MMA. I know I've still got room to, I mean, everyone's got, still got room to improve their skill sets, but I was working towards building up that skill set and transitioning from just a kickboxer to an MMA fighter. My ground game, I was coming along quite well. My takedown defense was coming on. And my takedown offense actually as well was getting um, very, very good. And I was hoping that it was going to be an MMA fight. And it doesn't look like it'll be now. I think I've got too much to work on before I make an MMA debut. I know there's people out there that if I fought MMA, I would beat anyway. But I also don't want to do myself the disjust, like the injustice, not bringing my best performance. And I feel like. Yeah. Right now, my best performance 
wouldn't be a good reflection of what I can do. I look back actually at my K my K one fight and there's there's bits I do in there's areas of the fight where I think that's not a good reflection of who I am and what I, what skill set I bring to the table. So I think if I get another fight in, in the next few months, depending on what happens with COVID nineteen and isolation and the lockdown and quarantine and things like that whatever we want to call it at the minute. Um, I think it'll probably be a kickboxing match as I am comfortable in my skill set as a kickboxer, uh, kickboxing talent. I know that that is where my strengths lie. However, I would be, if if the opportunity was right, I'd be open to anything. Yeah. The opportunity's just got to be... Is it's got to be something that benefits you, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not one of those people that where I'll, I wouldn't make the claim that I'd fight anyone anywhere at any time because I know that I probably wouldn't live up to that claim. I don't. I I understand the risks I take with fighting, um, and I wouldn't do it for anything that was wasn't going to benefit me in some way it, obviously at times you're going to have to fight people who are lower ranked than you that's life but I wouldn't just take a fight just for the sake of taking a fight yeah because if I'm not motivated I know I'm not going to train my hardest and if I don't train my hardest then my performance isn't going to be a true reflection of myself and that's not also it's not fair on my opponent my opponent signs up to fight and they expect the best version of whoever their opponent is to show up on that night so that they can display why they are the best. And if I don't train, then I'm also not expecting my opponent because they are working hard to achieve whatever. And if I have the arrogance and the disrespect to not train my best to compete against them, then it's, I know I really, I shouldn't step in the cage of the ring because then I'm not really a martial artist or a fighter because a martial artist respects their opponent no matter who they are so yeah, I think I think a kickboxing fight probably looking most likely right but again if an opportunity comes up that's right who knows it could be MMA it could be it could be boxing You've got good hands, you might as well. All different styles and test myself where I can. And I want to be the best athlete I can be. Because I also want then want to go on to coach and I want to be the best coach I can be. And I know that having experiences in all different areas is going to really, really benefit with that. So. Well, hopefully best of luck with that, Myth. Um, I've got a couple more questions for you here. Like It's something that like, causes quite a lot of debate. Have you ever... Like, you know them videos where you get the CrossFit trainers and they go in like the jiu-jitsu gyms and they get smashed because they gas out really quickly? Yeah. So, obviously, there's the basis you can be in shape but not in fighting shape. You said, like you mentioned at the start you you used to be a swimmer. Do you think the cardio in that makes... Do you think that helps with your fighting cardio or not really? Do you think it's a completely different ball game? Because it, it'll obviously influence it to some degree, but personally for you, how much does it influence it? 
I don't think personally for me it influences me that much. I never had great cardio um, swimming. Actually, I was always a short distance uh, sprint swimmer. Right. I have very, I have very like, powerful um, legs, and I use that to my great effect in my. Like, I used to do short distance swimming, long distance swimming. I actually my muscles fatigue um, very quick. So think cardio-wise, it probably did help, but at the same time, I don't think it helps a great deal because it depends how you train, not what you train. You know, there's many fighters that have come out and said, actually, they never ran a day in their life, and yet with some of the most elite fighters on the planet, you know, they did pad work to improve their cardio, or they just sparred, and did skipping all, you know, like Nate Diaz famously does triathlons. It's it, it all depends on the person. But then that's it. You've got Diaz brothers who arguably have one of the best gas tanks in the game, and they run triathlons. And you know, like, I think obviously there's got to be some crossover. And when you train, if you train any sort of cardiovascular based exercise, and your cardiovascular system's going to improve. You know, if you if you train to get stronger, you you lift weights, you're gonna be stronger. So then picking someone up's probably gonna be easier. Yeah. There's always crossover elements and adaptive um, situations. However, I know that to get fitter at doing something it has to adapt to a stimulus. So whatever that stimulus being, it will then cause a reaction in the body that causes the body to react and get fitter, as we say. If you want to get better at running, you're going to run. If you want to get better at swimming, you're going to swim. If you want to get better at cycling, you're going to cycle. And running's going to help you improve your cycling. Very small crossover areas of, you know, you're working your cardiovascular system, so it's going to help. But nothing's better for getting better at cycling than cycling. So in that same way, I think nothing's better than getting ready for a fight than sparring or pad work which closest simulates fight it's a, it's a very fighting is a very weird sort of pace in that most runs are you know you do them all at one pace or the pace is consistent throughout a fight's not like that a fight you have moments of where you've got to explode and there's big flurries of punches and there's moments where it's nothing happening you know you stood in front of your opponent trying to faint and fake out what's going on there could be areas especially MMA wrestling very tiring a totally different game their ball game to striking striking the energy that you use compared to wrestling is totally different I can do three like 500 rounds striking kickboxing pad work I've been doing it at home in quarantine with my brother. If I went to try and do that in wrestling, I'd be gassed at the first round. You know, like, I'd probably even halfway through the first round, I'd be exhausted. So, I think the only thing you can do to truly improve your cardio for fighting is aura and pad work. I think they're the best things for it. I'm not then saying that you shouldn't go out and run. If running works for you, 
run and works for, for you, you know. Everybody is different. Yeah. Every person will have their own way of doing things. Like I say for my fight, actually, I didn't run a lot for my fight. Um, in terms of, like, long distance, I did my sprints. And I did, I did a lot more skipping. Right. Because I find that, actually, I'm running, it's not part of my cardiovascular system. I find that my muscles fatigue before my cardiovascular system starts to get as taxed as where I need it to be. If I want to tax my cardiovascular system, I have to work that very, very heavily and not my muscles as such. I was doing my sprints and I'm fine doing sprints because my muscle structure and my body type are designed to do that. You know, someone who maybe doesn't have the power and the type, like two muscle fibers in their legs and is more endurance based, for them it's possibly a good thing to do because then they can find a way of taxing their vascular system, whereas sprinting attacks their muscles too much. Right. So you've got to find what works for you. I skip a lot for my, my fight. I would do a lot of rounds of skipping or I'd do more pad work or towards the end of my fight camp, Shad would have to do five minute and a half rounds with 15 seconds rest. Shark tank rounds. Yeah, almost, yeah. And he'd have that with a fresh opponent so that they were coming in with a, a new, like a new um, energy to where I was then having to compete at 100% over and over and over again. Because it wasn't taxing my muscles. It was, obviously it was taxing my muscles. But not to the same extent as if I did a 30-minute run, my legs would be exhausted at the end of it. Right. But my cardiovascular system itself probably wouldn't be as fatigued as my legs. Whereas that wasn't working just my cardiovascular system. It was almost increasing my lactic threshold, meaning that I could work harder for longer, my recovery would be better. So I do think swimming obviously has got its benefits in... It made me a good athlete. I think everyone should do some sort of external training to a fight trainer. I don't think it's a, almost a cookie-cutter approach can be got to sit on an individual athlete and see what works for that person. Couldn't agree more. At the end of the day, it's personal. But, um, final question, and then we'll sign off. We'll like make sure I get your Instagram and that in. Now, who actually got you into MMA kickboxing as a whole? Was it any experience as a child where you just thought like I would like to give this a go, or was it watching a specific person or hearing a specific thing? What was it? It was a, there was a large combination of things. I was always a hyperactive kid. I've always had a lot of energy. I've always been sport, and my brother is a huge influence in my life. He, I could not ask for a better brother or better parents, actually. Um, sport every summer holiday, my mom would sign us up to do um, different classes. With, like the council would put on different things like tennis athletics, fencing. We signed up to 
all of these different things to give them a try. And the basis was, was we'll find what sports you enjoy right. and we'll pursue those. My brother, he is an exceptional person. He's an exceptionally intelligent person. And he, he takes a very scientific approach and a logical approach to everything he does. So he found a sport and he'd study it. He'd practice and he'd practice and he'd practice and he'd practice. And me and him always compete with each other. According to him, I'm the more naturally gifted athlete. His, his word for it, because he's, like I say, he's a smart guy, so he knows what he's talking about. High praise. Practice and practice and practice. So we were always into sport as kids, and we would always compete. Um, however, I was more hyperactive. Um, and I would get myself into a lot of trouble at school. And I have the unfortunate disposition of being ginger. Oh. So, and people would say things to us and being a hot-headed kid, I'd react and I'd get myself into trouble and I'd get myself into in a fight and I'd be on the, the receiving end of bullying or whatever it would be. Right. And I'd watch different TV films and you always see the characters where the, where the underdog and the, and the show up at the gym and the, the train and they become strong and it's that kind of thing and it was it was only until about maybe year 8 year 9 so I might have been 13 or something okay I got myself into a fight now at the time I'd I'd get in a fight I would do okay I had no idea what I was doing I was kind of making it up as I went along and I got myself into a fight this kid, and I went, well, I do MMA. And I was like, I didn't know what it was at the time, so I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Yeah. I got myself in this fight, and as I discovered, MMA is a combat sport. And he threw a pill at the post. Right. Really, really embarrassing. <laughs> so then I, I wanted to do martial arts, so I thought, well, I was right That'll work. There was kickboxing classes at the local leisure centre. It was like a family kickboxing class. And I, like I say, really experienced the time. I didn't know how to fight properly or what fighting was or how to train for a fight. I went along. And there were great classes with, you know, with drills, with belts. And what I started doing for fun and to get some sort of like self-defense actually something I became really passionate about I found a sport that I could compete in in swimming at the time and I was I was making good progress with swimming you know I was competing and I was doing well for my age and my but I started to lose my love for swimming it's a tough sport to do and I think it's actually a lot of times swimmers don't get credit for how hard they have to work it's oh. incredibly tough Definitely. And I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I'd found martial arts and I would I would go, we'd train. It would do like light contact sparring and it was great. I was loving it. So that would be what I'd I'd do. I'd I'd in kickboxing. Then I went and did the South Tyneside Open, which is a local competition, held at the leisure centre that I trained at. I went and I got my backside hand it was again. I've been training, you know, it was like six or nine months or something I'd been training. 
I thought I was quite good. Like out of the, the people I trained with, I was good in sparring and I was I hit well on the pads and quick. I was strong. Couldn't wear out why I'd lost again. I was only training like one or two days a week. Yeah. Once again, I was embarrassed in front of my friends and family. So I just pushed it a little bit harder to, to do more, to pick myself back up. And, you know, you get dropped in front of everyone and it's like, not this again. And that drove us to then work even harder. Again, I still had no idea what I was really doing. I knew that I enjoyed martial arts and that I wanted to be good. And obviously, people start introducing. When you get into the world of martial arts, you start hearing people talk about different things. No, coming up and yeah, I started to understand what it was. I'd watched little clips of UFC fights, and this was around the time Conor McGregor was making his big fame and beating Jose Aldo. So all these highlight reels were coming out. I was like, "All oh, right, this is what MMA is." I want to do that. And uh, the gym. And I went there to begin with. I trained there. I trained two days a week. And I was determined I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight. And my coach would say to us, you and you don't train enough. You come in two days a week. Yeah, it was loads. I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm training really hard. I'm really, really good. And then the frustration of that would cause us to get, I think, rowdy in school again. And back to the bullion. For some reason, I'm sat there, I'm thinking, but people are still picking on us, people are still calling us names, and yeah, I'm doing all of this. I'm doing everything I can. Yeah. And it, it kind of, there, there was a turning point in my life where I was like, I maybe need to just find something that works for me and just go with that. And I found that actually trying to fit in at school wasn't working. I was never going to play football, didn't enjoy it, I was never going to play rugby. You know, so I didn't fit in with the, the mainstream sports. I left that and I was like, well, I'm going to go and do what I want to do. So I've never done a mainstream sport. I did swimming when I was younger. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to be happy doing martial arts. That was how it all, it all started. And then there's been hurdles on the way. Different things have popped up. Injuries, you know, personal life gets in the way of things. Would I have liked to have had a fight years like, earlier than when I did. Yeah. I'm glad that actually I didn't know. Yeah. I, I think I had my fight at the right time and it was the was the right thing to do at the time. And I think I, in terms of like being an athlete, I think that was, a, a, you know, a good time for me. I, I was sorting things out. Everything was going well and, can't be happier with how, how it's all gone. So Sounds really good. Well, like Lots and lots of respect for you for keeping going through the issues. A lot of people would have just packed it in, would have gave up. You've, it's different gravy, mate. Like, couldn't commend yeah, you enough. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's everyone out there has got something. Everyone has, I always believe, my parents have told us this. Everyone has a purpose in life. Right. Everyone has a purpose in life. Whatever that might be, however big or however small it may seem, if that person's not there, nothing functions well. It's why I have respect for the smallest of jobs or whatever, you know. 
people often say, like, you treat the CEO the same way as you treat the janitor. I fully believe in um, things like that. Definitely. Because without that... It's without the small jobs, a lot of things wouldn't function. Everyone has a purpose in life. And if you enjoy something, find a way to make it life or a career, then I say... You know, there's there's nothing stopping people. I think there's a crazy statistic about how many jobs people will do in the future that haven't even been invented yet. He says you're not that person to invent that job. You know, my that might be your purpose. That whatever I decide to do, I do my best at it. I have nothing to not be proud of. And I think that's the thing that drives me is support I have from my family and my friends. So I think if everyone can find themselves something they love and surround themselves with great people who support them in what they do, then actually there is no reason why they can't succeed in whatever they decide they want to do. It's a lovely thought, Myth. On that positive note, though, we're going to have to sign off. Um, thank, no you for, thank you for your time. Um, anyone, who's, anyone who's listening, if you want to follow Ewan's training journey through life, personal, do you want to drop your Instagram, Myth, so people can give you a follow? Um, yeah, my Instagram is just my name, Ewan underscore Mattymore. Um, very basic, keep it simple. Yeah, there'll be a preview of this posted on Instagram. I'll tag him in case you didn't get that. Fight Watch UK. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for your time. Um, see you again soon.